All right, guys, I got the paperwork all filled out. Um, you know, we, we got the apartment. All that's left is to go to the pound and pick out our favorite. I can't wait. This is my favorite part of getting any new property is picking out the pooch. Yep. We do need we do need a dog to protect us in the in these most trying of times. Preferably something with a with a lot of heart and a good bite and uh, quite a bit of bark. All right. Yeah. Let's let's see what we got here. Okay. This seems you know very very friendly, very affectionate. Both tails wagging. Yeah, but th- is that is that really something that we want to worry about? Because you step on a dog's single tail, that's a problem enough. But if, mm-hmm. this is just double the trouble. Yeah, and I'm I never look down when I'm walking around. Legs. So. I'm also seeing an extra set of legs. I feel like they might have trouble with the stairs. Uh, you know, one could argue that there's two dogs in one. But, yeah, you know, it's still early. Let's let's keep looking. I like this one a bit. Oh? this uh, Yeah, this one with the... Uh, it's got a great like a uh, ruffle full of uh, ruffle of fur uh, in its um, in its neck area. It's got a good mane uh, that appears to be concealing a second mouth. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and it expands out a little bit. Do you remember Jurassic Park? Like those acid spitting ones. I don't want to find out something down the road. Oh, the Dilophilosauri. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming that is the Latin plural of that uh, that animal. <laughs> yeah, and I'm which not I do. The fact that he's in a glass cage really isn't uh, really isn't reassuring on the acid front. So mm. uh, maybe we should keep looking. I, I, you know, I really, really like this one over here. Uh, the, the 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 fact that it's tentacles instead of legs. Uh, it's a lot less fur, a lot less shedding. I think that that would actually be pretty good. We don't want to clean up too often on this. Uh, I'm I'm not yeah. bringing an aquarium to the second floor. If you want to carry that, that's on you. Like. Well, and you know, the best part of having a dog is waxing the floor and watching him scamper across the room. <laughs> and we're not going to, like, this thing is just going to sucker itself in place. We'll never get that joy. Yeah, but don't you like a nice, clingy, cuddly dog? I, I do. I, I do. Oh, well. I like the clingy, and I like the sliding. So what about this thing that... It's mostly just like a giant amoeba. Like, I think it's a squishy puppy. Oh, look, it's trying to phagocytize me. Oh, no. No, stop. Get off. No, just... It tickles. Ooh, it burns. Don't... Get... get. Uh, we need an attendant. Someone... Very active at, at imagination, Zane. You, you're feeling tingling and burning through the internets. <laughs> <laughs> we're filling out forms now. Do you remember the bit? Oh, uh, we know. We filled out the forms. We're, we're checking them out. We were. Oh, we're, we're in person there. Yeah, we. we I, that was my. I can tell by all these dog holy noises going on behind <laughs> Clearly. us. Clearly. Oh, yes. I'm sure you'll take care of that in post. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that will. Oh, no. They're all being made by this one creature with a billion mouths. <laughs> Maybe can we get the creature with the bili- a billion mouths? Because you look past the billion mouths and. No, actually, it looks like another billion mouths. Yeah. It's just mouths all the way down. Well, yeah. Once you have that many mouths, it's just one big mouth. Really, mm-hmm. mm. I didn't like that show. <laughs> One big mouth. <mouse? laughs> I I want a pet that can really take advantage of the yard. You know, that's the main point of getting a yard. So, oh, how about this guy? Just a just a simple, uh, admittedly a little pink dog. Very cute. Oh, it's got a hole in the tooth, but I don't know. There's got to be some reason that it's surrounded by all these ancient eldritch monstrosity. Do you do you think that maybe this one is? kind of a bad omen that all the th- stuff is being attracted to this dude i mean yeah. be ready for a bunch of strange and wacky customers showing up on our doorstep also the dog just turned into a hammer i don't know if that's a pro or con <laughs> uh yeah that's a pro in my book you never know you're gonna need a ham you know you're gonna need a hammer you know uh-huh. <laughs>
Time for some home improvement. <laughs> what, eh? We interrupt this program to bring you Courage, the Cowardly Dog Show, starring Courage, the Cowardly Dog. Abandoned as a pup, he was found by Muriel, who lives in the middle of nowhere with her husband, Eustace Bay. But creepy stuff happens in nowhere. It's up to Courage to save his new home. Stupid dog! You made me look bad! <laughs> I don't know where that's We'll cut, cut it somewhere. Good good luck editing that into something entertaining. I'll just cut <laughs> most of it. It's fine. <laughs> I guess I'll loop in home improvement dog noises for the kennel that we went to. Into it. <laughs> oh no, it's a kennel full of... Uh, full of Tim, oh, Tim the Toolman Taylor. Tim the Toolman Taylor. Why did my brain go to Tim Kane? That's not right. <laughs> Wait, is it Tim the Toolman Taylor's or Tim's the Toolman Taylor? Like a Whoppers Jr. <laughs> Tim is the Toolman Taylor. Yeah, Tim, but I'm wondering what the plural the is. The Tools Man. Tim is the Toolman's Taylor. Oh, it's one of those fancy plural though, nouns, it? like a Wilson of Tim's. Yes. It's like Attorney General. The 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 plural of that is Attorney's General. Well, you'd know, Mr. Mr. I understand the law more than <laughs> circumspectly through the realm of Twitter. <laughs> oh, 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 oh yeah, that's that's a it's a strange existence. Okay, so clear. <laughs> Speaking of strange existence. Speaking of. Welcome to the show, Dan. Welcome, to, welcome <laughs> back to the Carton Cast. It's becoming more less and less ceremonial the more that I appear on this on this podcast. <laughs> you're you're getting you're really filling out that couch group. Yeah, yeah. First you appear due to a séance and there's consecrated blood, and then the second time it's like, oh no, I spilled some like chicken sauce on the on the floor and it arranged in a pattern, and you appeared, and now it's just like I'm in the mirror, I'm flossing, and like I accidentally like blurt out a Dan name three times in a row. Uh, first of all, welcome to the Carton Cast. Uh, my name is Ben. <laughs> My name is Zane. And um, I, I, my name is Dan. <laughs> and this is the podcast where we review old cartoons and see what we think of them as adults. And Zane, second of all, chicken sauce? Creepy stuff happens at the Carton Cast. Yeah. What is chicken sauce? What, what does that mean? Is this like uh, that, my- that concentrated chicken bullion that you just add to water and you got stock? Oh, I love the book. Bu- I, I keep it in the, the jars. I like the jar form rather than the cube form. The yes. Cu- the cubes are unsettling. No, the, the, the jar stuff. I like stuff. the cubes. The jar stuff is where it's at. It's actual chicken. Yeah. but cubes Somebody somebody melted very... down a chicken here. <laughs> but cubes feel feel nice and dystopian. Mm-hmm. Yes. They're, they're very industrial and very, very big brother. It feels like a Back to the Future 2, like, pizza in a tablet kind of uh dystopia here mm-hmm. is your where, stock where, like we're more technology technologically superior but we've like lost all of what humanity means yes it's it's oh. your monthly stock ration and and yeah. speaking of <laughs> speaking of the bad future where biff is the president uh mm-hmm. we should mention we're recording oh. this on halloween before the election <laughs> whatever you know <laughs> uprising or weird takeover has happened like we don't know <laughs> This is a- Dan actually appears to have a uh, a valve on his neck that is just spewing the exhaust from from all of this uh, this anxiety that he's feeling for this uh, next week. I had to have it installed because I uh, like after that month I spent in the hospital while they tried to cool my head down. The the surgeons really did me good by putting the valve in, so I can just release it whenever things get a little too yeah, real. That, that document that documentary was like. Pretty high production values. Yeah. I, I hope you 
you know, I hope you keep in contact with all those uh, wisecrack insurgents. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like, like, Plus, now you can go as Frankenstein for Halloween with those neck bolts. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Free neck bolts. Neck bolts for the people. <laughs> an, a, Did you guys see that? Um, a chicken on every post. A chicken in every pot, a bolt in every neck. <laughs> 40 acres and a mule and some neck bolts. <laughs> but what do you do to the chicken necks? Now there's a conundrum. Ah, that's true. I, I cut you off. Did you guys... No, it's okay. Uh, did None you guys the see the post of um, of uh, Frankenstein, of like an uh, edited version of the end of Frankenstein where it's like the last page and it like finishes... Uh, Shelley's Frankenstein, like whatever the last sentence is, and then it's like, and as I heard, as he receded into the distance, I heard him say, "I really don't mind if you call me Frankenstein instead of Frankenstein's monster." <laughs> yes. Uh, Halloween and and it grand. <laughs> <laughs> Halloween though. Halloween, ain't it right? Halloween apparently no, now. Yeah. So um, it so doesn't feel. Thank like you. Dan, Caves, our resident horror expert, for coming back on for our annual tradition of visiting us for Halloween. Absolutely. I'm happy to be here. You look to be doing well, asterisk. Yeah. No. um, Just tell the world I'm in my final year of law school. It's going pretty well, and uh, I'm ready to get the hell out into the world. So... Uh, I've been extraordinarily busy, but not too busy to come and podcast with you guys. So very happy to Excellent. be here. Excellent. We're very persuasive. You are. Mm-hmm. You are. Well, uh, presumably you may you must have some sort of Halloween uh, plans of, of some sort beyond just uh, recording with us. I don't because everything is sad and I am sad. <laughs> but uh, does anybody else have any Halloween uh, plans for the for today? Well, I'm not going to any parties if that's what you're asking. Uh, there, I, I was not. No. I was. Uh, what, basically, I was wondering what was on your '80s B movie roster. <laughs> oh yeah. The, well, I'm for the evening. You know, I'm getting too old for bad movies, so I think I'm going to limit myself <gasps> to. Say it ain't so. I am gonna. I, I am gonna watch uh, the 1970s remake of Nosferatu, where Klaus Kinski plays Count Orlok, directed by Werner Herzog. <laughs> It is such a good oh, movie. Oh yeah, such a good movie. I might watch Hocus Pocus later just to Ooh. have like a, a a tone shift that might break yeah. my neck. But it's all it's all <laughs> it's all right in the theme. So I think it's going to be a movie night tonight. How about you? Nice. Uh, how about you, gentlemen? Uh, well, I, I'm definitely not doing anything, you know, uh, party or event related. Mm. I may like walk around at night. There is a cemetery nearby, and I think that might just be a nice ambient uh, walkabout. Um, so that that is probably Very nice. in my future. Very beautiful. Nice. Yeah, I, I I'm not sure how I'll get in after dark, especially because there's a curfew in Philly. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, it should be an interesting <laughs> night regardless. Yikes. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I don't have any plans, but uh, in those cases, I default to making soup. So we'll yeah. see what kind of soup we make. With your bullion. Not squash. With your jar yeah, of with bullion. Yeah, <laughs> yep. It's Halloween, so you got to use a cube. <laughs> the scariest shape. <laughs> well, no, just because the cube movies is you know, kind of a horror franchise. I guess I could watch it's the cube. It's an homage. What are you... it's, hard uh... enough, it's hard enough for Chrissy and I to find something to watch together that's not just anime. So adding. I a, told you to a, watch Cobra Kai. A stipulation that it has to be a horror thing is just going to make it harder. Yeah. <laughs> just watch Cobra Kai. It's got sexy teens and fighting. You know I well, like both want? of those things, but. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do if you get trick or treaters? Like chase them off of your lawn or, or what? 
Yeah, we 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 don't have candy for them. <laughs> they they can try, but can you imagine if you gave them a chocolate bar with your face on it? What I have is a bag full of um, googly eyes of the wrong size that I need to get rid of, but don't want to waste. Okay. So I think that's what that's my default. That's a good that's use. What we're of, gonna fall back on. That's a good use of defective googly eyes. Mm-hmm. Well, I've they're not, they're not defective. Gotta... They're just inferior. Okay. Well, that's. I, I've got a. <laughs> I've got some chili that I got to get rid of. So that's probably my go-to. I figure not even putting it into like any like plastic containers. Just scoop. Just give them one scoop and just throw it in the bag there. <laughs> Is anybody Be chronicling the Carton Cast Halloween plans in like an Excel spreadsheet and they, they just get sadder? <laughs> every year? Well, I mean, to, this time we have an excuse though. Is the thing? Yeah. Right. I feel like generally I'm, I do a, I do a pretty good job. <laughs> uh, last year was an exception, and this year is a mega exception. Yeah, so yeah. I'm not gonna sign on to that thing. But what I will sign on to is uh, welcoming Dan back to the Carton Cast and um, asking him if there is anything that he would like to plug before we get started. Uh, well, you know, I haven't done much with the Cocktail Party Congress in a while. It's been a bit busy and a bit contentious out there, but. Indeed we do we do still have an archive, and once my life opens back up, JT and I are almost certainly going to get back into the podcasting saddle, but it's still available nice. on your favorite podcast app, as long as that is uh, Apple. <coughs> <laughs> <laughs> but, but, yeah, I hear but you. Yeah, the property. It's actually extremely easy to put it on other stuff, and I didn't realize, I is. only recently put it on Spotify, and I'm deeply embarrassed and ashamed uh, you're gonna have to lead me through that process because i it's a 10 minute process that explains itself dan <laughs> well you 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 listeners did not get to see how miserably i fumbled in getting my microphone set up for this i was struggling with the programs and yeah, getting think, the cords think the Iliad. yeah it was it, it was this whole odyssey just to just to get plugged in to do this, so I'll take any help I can get. <laughs> well, yeah, but anyway, but yes, you you should go check out his podcast. It is uh, it is evergreen because it deals with stuff more than a week before. Um, it's like you know, it's it, a lot of it is about the Bill of Rights, which uh, has even more context now than it maybe it did uh when you started your podcast. It sure does. So we might have to revisit yeah. some topics. Uh, so that that would be great. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely want an election episode if we can manage one. But uh, either way, I look forward to coming back on your program at a later date. Absolutely. But for right now, you're in the Carton I'm, Cast, baby. I, I, you're in my world, Grandma. I'm in your house. Your house, your rules. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, and the rules are, for today, uh, to uh, look at a horror cartoon, as we are wont to do on Hollow's Eve. Today we're talking about Courage the Cowardly Dog. Yes, uh, Courage the Cowardly Dog ran on Cartoon Network for four seasons, from 1999 to 2002, and it was created by John Dilworth based on his short The Chicken from Outer Space. Uh, Dan, did you have any familiarity with this show before we asked you to do it? Not really. I remember it being out when I was a kid, and it was not one that I really picked up. I was actually kind of surprised to discover that it was so horror-related, so it's... This this was really interesting to have in the background while I was doing law stuff, but it's mm-hmm. yeah, uh, I, but yeah, no, and I didn't know that this this chicken thing you mentioned just now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, John Dilworth, um, actually, like I think this is kind of a uh, like a humble beginnings sort of story because all the voice actors, the producer, everybody was like not kind of 
professionals it, like like this is his first show mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. from what i could tell kind of his only big show uh john dilworth um so and and the phrase that comes to mind to me is doesn't know what can't be done because <laughs> this shit is real innovative <laughs> Like, he uses CGI to portray some of the more horrifying yeah. characters and creatures within it to pretty great effect. There's, like, Charlie Chaplin-style slapstick Hanna-Barbera sound effects combined with, like, this orchestral haunting, lilting melodies. Mm-hmm. It's fucking wild. Yeah. Like, it, this yeah. is is a <laughs> norm-breaking show. Yeah. Sol- Salvador Dali for kids. Um, and and I have a lot of really strong memories of this show specifically, mm-hmm. and I'll be happy to get into that at a later point. Please. But um, this this was super fun to go back to, and honestly, a lot of my uh, note taking was more just me remembering stuff and trying to put it into the framework that I had d- developed for myself than actually watching the show. Like these are thinkers. This is mm-hmm. a thinker of a show. Yeah, it's not it's not like Invader Zim, which like. It could be gross, or it could be horrifying, or it could be, like, uh, uh, b- existentially bleak. This one is more, like, existentially, huh? Yeah. Like, yeah. oh. There is an the, element <laughs> of that. Like, like it's, it's almost um, like a Lovecraft-esque, like, the world out there is, like, vast and unknowable, but, like, you know, you got a warm, comfy chair. Try not to worry too hard about it. <laughs> it's it's interesting that you mention that because I think the three principal characters are all sort of a reaction to what I see is as a Cassandra figure. Hmm. Um, I see um, Courage as somebody who sees this oddness, sees this scary shit, tries his best to tell people about it. And is met with either resistance, in the case of Eustace, or with, you know, semi-disbelief. Pollyanna, sort of, like, Yeah, yeah. Like a pat on the head, kind of like, oh, yeah, that's nice. Yeah, it'll be fine. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, like, and in the, you know, in this era of climate change, I couldn't help but, like, (laughs) relate it back to the political sphere of, like, oh, there's people who, like, see the problems that are going on, and this is the reaction that most people have to them. Yeah. So I got down a whole, like, kind of philosophical circle jerk rabbit hole here. Damn, uh, I, just, I, I just assumed that... that. I just assumed that uh, he was met with disbelief and hostility because he's a dog. And why, and why, and why, <laughs> oh, is, this, and why is this dog trying to point out horrifying shit to me? I didn't. I, I would actually love... the magic of pantomime. I'd actually love to hear your no... political beliefs on Courage the Cowardly Dog, by the way. So, so. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll be happy to Do talk well. about that in characters, Do but well. Dan, I wanted to uh, stoke the stoke the fire mm-hmm. here by, um, you know, every time we kind of come on for the Halloween episode, I try to ex- express to you this type of fear and kind of get your opinions on, like, how well it is realized here. And the type of fear that I think we are dealing with here is you're on your own. Like, there is something scary happening, and there's no authority to turn to. There's a reason that they live in the middle of nowhere, Kansas. Yeah. Is because Courage sees something bad is going to happen, and there's no one to rely on. Yeah. Isolation is one of the hallmarks of good horror. And Mm -hmm. you can... You can realize that the, isolation. The teams always go to a cabin in the woods yeah. <laughs> for their weekend hijinks. They never go to like, you know, a loft in the city. Yeah, to, you know, kind of hang out. But even like, th- there are ways that you can realize that total isolation and um, disruption of authority, even in 
busy places. I remember there was one movie mm-hmm. I watched, Mute Witness, I think it was called, uh, where um, it was really a horror film, but it was about a person who can't speak who witnesses a murder while filming in Russia. And so you have, on the one hand, a corrupt authority structure, a total language barrier, and by the way, she can't speak. And that was... Also, it's Russia. Yeah, and that was isolating enough that it actually hit the elements of a good horror film. And then you have your classic slasher situation, like you just described. They're going to cabins in the woods, or they're... Um, driving across the country in the desert for something like uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre or something like that. like the- Even when it is in a city, it's a zombie apocalypse scenario yeah, where yeah. there is no government to turn to or in... Um, Total breakdown. Uh, stay quiet, stay silent, whatever that movie is. Quiet, right? Quiet place. Uh, a quiet place, one. yeah. Yeah. A quiet place. Um, they are <laughs> Shut the up. government's teamwork. But they're in a in a in a situation where they like the their government still exists, mm-hmm. but they can't actually reach them. So effectively they are on their own. Yeah. Um one of my favorite movies, <laughs> Hush, one of my favorite horror movies, Hush, is yeah. about this woman who lives in the woods by herself and it's similar to a um silent witness or whatever you had said, mm-hmm. mute witness maybe. Yeah. Yep. Um she is deaf. Yeah. Um so that that element of isolation from one's senses is, is kind of even deepening this sort of this sort of territory. Mm-hmm. How, how do you find that in terms of like is is that is that do you require that for horror? Is it like an inextricable part of horror? Is that there's no one to turn to and that you are isolated from you know your security structure? Can't look away. Yeah, that's a pretty that, that's a pretty important aspect I think because if you can just call the police. <laughs> and have them deal with it, then it it it, it, it loses. Um, hey, hey, no, I'm talking. I'm talking about fictional set, police. Set, set that aside. If, 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 set if you, that aside. If you have if you have a competent and reliable and uh, trustworthy law enforcement agency at your beck and call, let's say then Michael, Captain America, then Michael Myers. Is far less terrifying because you call because you call nine one one and they come and they take him back to the loony bin mm-hmm. and th- like that it, it's far more terrifying because it's the every man the every person who is stuck in that situation and they have no one to turn to you are on your own and by the way and someone is tra- no lovers of power yeah and by the way someone's trying to kill you. Uh, That's think- the difference I think between um, horror and kind of like a, a like a like a, like an action movie mm-hmm. is that you're isolated in both of them like a you know classic rambo or whatever yeah. but uh it's the disempowerment angle yeah. that really like mm-hmm. you not only are you on your own but you are hilariously under equipped to deal with what is around yeah. you you are so, not yeah no so great good no i i should defer to you so um that isolation is definitely part of the atmosphere. I mm-hmm. think this show is very atmospheric uh, in oh, terms yeah. of its conveyance. Um, but also not just, oh, no one can help me from this thing trying to kill me. It's, I don't know what this thing wants from me. Yeah, <laughs> There's also the eldritch angle. Yeah. What even, so the, what the, even the, is this? The unknown <laughs> and the lack of knowledge. And then yeah. the other aspect of like the atmosphere and the feeling that this show does is is sort of a claustrophobia. You can't even run away. You have to stay here because there's people who are relying on you, even if they don't know it. Mm. 
Yeah, and that kind of bleeds back into the other element of this show, which is that we wouldn't care unless we had something to protect, and the relationship between Courage and Muriel is is you know is 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 beautiful and wholesome enough that we want everything to be okay and that's also an element is mm-hmm. like horror doesn't really count for anything if you don't care about the people who might lose something yeah. like then it's just uh you know then then it's something else then it's like um grindhouse or something yeah. you know mm-hmm. it's it, it's a different kind of horror it's more of a um gratuitous kind of torture porn sort of sort of horror if you don't actually care about the people involved yeah it's kind of like the the late slasher era where you're kind of rooting for jason because every because (laughs) because all of the damn teens because all of the teens are despicable and i've and like yeah well they have to be and then like that also gets into the realm of bad horror movies because i've seen some crap where you just you're i think the intention was that you're supposed to sympathize with the humans but you don't and you're just happy to see them right. killed. <laughs> and so, yeah, the fact that we do care about that, like Eustace is a, is a jerk, but yeah, that relationship between the dog and Muriel, that is, that is something worth preserving. And so when there are, there, I'm sorry, go yeah, ahead. And so when something scary comes at the doorstep and you're wondering what the fuck to do about it and what even the hell it is, then that having that there, it just makes you actually care. So that was, yeah, that was something I enjoyed about what I've seen in the mm-hmm. show. Yeah. It's what they tried to do in Dante, uh, mm-hmm. Dante in, yeah. in the movie that we watched yeah. um, with, uh, with Dante and, and his lady love, yeah. but they didn't really set it up very well. Yeah, no. So it didn't really hit. It was just more of an action movie at that point. Yeah. yeah. And I think the thing that binds together that the horror with the humor, cause this is a slapstick show. Oh, yeah. So this does have very jarring humor stuff is the surrealism. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this sort of like, Okay, I get that there is a horrible thing and that we have to do something about it. But it's this thing, and I have to do... Me? Have you met me? It reminds (laughs) me of um, a movie that was both scary and funny and also kind of sweet. Have you heard of Bubba Hotep? Yes. No. Yes. I have not. Bubba Hotep. Let me describe... Do you want to describe Bubba Hotep? Can you summarize Bubba Hotep in a sentence? Zane, I'm going to give you a shot at this, but... All right, yeah. old Elvis and Black JFK have to team up to fight the mummy, um, <laughs> who is exactly stealing people's it. souls through their butts. Yeah. By the way, Elvis is Bruce Campbell. Yes. <laughs> well, <it was laughs> Very <sure> important. <laughs> That's the most important part about Bubba Hotel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, no, I'm the very most important part is the DVD comes it. in a sleeve that looks like an Elvis jacket. Mm-hmm. So, in that movie, it's terrifying because you see these old people like barely able to stand for a couple minutes at a time clearly mm-hmm. past their prime they're they're kind of fading you know this guy thinks that he's jfk and they put his brain into a black guy's body to disempower him and they do have to stop this guy from stealing souls because who's gonna believe them uh and i i just yeah, who I are just, you gonna call there's no better horror <laughs> for me than the kind that's like funny but try explaining it <laughs> it's uh yeah that that you know, it's very similar to uh, cornerstone horror movie of our generation, The Big Lebowski. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, in any case, since you had mentioned all the serial bullshit going on, I, I feel it necessary to outline the plot, which is that uh, Courage uh, was abandoned as a pup, found by Muriel, lives in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> but uh, creepy stuff happens in nowhere. Creepy There's- stuff. <laughs> 
there's yeah but I, I love that intro with like the you know we interrupt your program to bring you a different program <laughs> to bring yeah. you a tv show <laughs> to bring you a tv show it's very funny um these uh, so so there isn't any like outward reason that all this stuff happens to him and no one else right like it the cosmologically is there any reason that weird stuff happens to courage is it like is he like from john dies at the end where he like hey man you got... live in the nexus and you ate some stuff yes exactly did does he live in the nexus <laughs> kind of it there's or, or is always it just yeah the government shows up but as we said they're not they're not helpful no yeah, yeah. and they're often cruel um, I, I think that it works best if you don't try to explain the cosmology. I think just this is a, a show about courage just can't catch a break. Yeah. Uh, and these are all of the different horror tropes. You know, they, they, they really they really just a smorgasbord of different horror tropes throughout the ages. You know, the he gets turned into a fly. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a mummy's curse. Uh, there is a diner that serves people. Uh, yeah, it, you know, it just it's it, there's a, there's a creepy motel where they're abducted. Like it just across the whole board, yeah. any horror movie that you can think of, this does it in its own proprietary blend of herbs and spices. One of my favorite ones is he be- courage befriends a hunchback. Oh, the hunchback from nowhere. That it's like <laughs> oh, it's just that oh. horrifying little monster, and Eustace is freaking guy. out. But like, oh, he just right. wants love, and <laughs> Courage and Muriel are there to give <laughs> give this poor little hunchback Qua- Quasimodo or whatever they call them in the show. But Qua- probably like Quasidono or some 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 something Quasi- like that. Don't know your name. Nice, <laughs> got him. Quasi domo origato. Yeah, you go. But yeah, there there is this sweetness that is allowed to poke through the, yeah. this hope that emerges if you can conquer your demons. Yep. There's even moments where Eustace gets in on that. Like it, it's always f- like kind of filtered through the through through his um, you know crapulence field that he emits. But there's like moments where he shows genuine concern for Muriel. You know, like patting her hand when she's like depressed or something. There's uh, one particular episode where he goes through this curse where it won't abate until he is nice. And the thing that actually gets him to be nice is he loses his glasses and ins- and he sees courage and thinks that he's seeing a younger version of himself. And the younger version of himself doesn't have a hat. And he's like, where's your hat, boy? And he's like, it's so hot. I don't have a hat. And he's like, well, that's not right. And you know, boy should have a hat. And he takes <laughs> off his hat and puts it on Courage's head. And Courage is just like, huh? oh, it's it's just Good very courage, sweet. Boy. Yeah, but he's only he's only able to be nice when he thinks he's being nice to himself. Like it's it's that, to- I'll, I'll totally narcissistic. <laughs> yes, I'll grant you that. That is true. Which, which needs, is he wants one of the responses. To be better because he wants his dinner. Like you said, this is one of the human responses to danger. Is how does it affect me? Self-serving. Yeah. 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 There's always that but, one but ass. I do think you're right in that there is like kind of a sweetness underneath all the creepiness. Mm-hmm. Um, Dan, can you tell me a couple of the episodes that you watched? Like, I don't know how much of this you actually watched, but you're coming into it for the first time. I was kind of hoping I could. I remember all the episodes, like all the ones that I watched, in pretty 
pretty pretty convincing detail maybe not all the like the plot by plot beat of it but like the general attitude of it and the music especially mm-hmm. what what are some of the episodes that you encountered and and see if maybe you can tie them back to horror tropes that you know or like you know b movies or whatever uh yeah so i i'm actually gonna have a hard time uh remembering this because it was so surreal and sometimes frenetic that it just i didn't absorb it as much as maybe um <laughs> it's a someone someone who grew up with it but hunchback from nowhere was definitely one that stood out to me um mm-hmm. and that that really ties back to the idea of just um the unfairness sometimes of just who you are. Like, you look like a monster, but you're really not. It, yeah, we get to talk a little bit about Frankenstein. The <laughs> monster in the book gets his humanity. He learns to speak, he has feelings, but he looks like a friggin' zombie monster. And so people treat him like yeah, that. Yeah, that's classic. Quasimodo, who the, the hunchback is based off of. He's just a guy, he's a poor guy. <laughs> very unfortunate but the world treats him as a monster but that's something that like that's it's like that he's not the monster in the the horror trope yeah he's the he's the isolated victim of all that mm-hmm. we are the monsters um mm-hmm. and of course the 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 mummy's curse one was one that really stood out to me too because i love mummy movies i don't know if you knew that yeah. about me Oh, well, it's nice to know that you're uh, versatile and you can enjoy not just Dracula, but also mummies. Yeah. Um, I I think when you bring up the show, a lot of people point to the mummy, the King Ramses episode. Yeah. Because it's very good. Yeah. Because it's one of the clearest examples. It was not very only good. The, major, the show's themes, all the characterization, but also it sticks in your mind because of what this show does with its animation. Yeah. Which is to combine cgi and yeah. 3d stuff with the traditional animation and it's so jarring it was jarring but it friggin' works like it's supposed to be jarring mm-hmm. and not just like um you know animation style uh it's it's also pretty jarring in tone because like and the music does a great job of this yes. you have the like the classic kind of like drums and sort of egyptian haunting you know yeah yeah, yeah all <laughs> of that album Try to clip it in. Courage, did you leave the tub running? And then you have king ramsey's second curse which is a record player playing like this like uh jazzy theme song <laughs> yeah it's so jazzy this theme song the man and gods of the man and gods king ramsey's like it's just such a whiplash um, but but it takes you along for the ride. It tells you you're supposed to be creeped out right now. You're supposed to be laughing because this is fucking silly yeah. as hell. You got to do both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. You have to do both when you're watching. That you it is not merely enough to like horror or to like comedy. You must like both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zane, do you have any favorite episodes before we kind of get into characters? Um. You know, there are some that stick with me in terms of, like, the, oh, that really touches my heart thing, like, where 
uh, the depressed mad scientist shoots cannonballs oh. that make people depressed. And Z- Dr. Zalost? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they feed him some happy plums, and he hugs his rat, and it's like, oh, power of friendship. This this show did power of friendship in a way nobody's ever done it. <laughs> and it's got a big steampunk castle, too, so, like, it, there's that. pretty good. Um, I one- would actually, like... I would actually like Dan if you if you have interest in any of that you should watch it. That's a very good episode. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I'll track it down. Uh, mm. One that I remember just because of like in the last season they kind of went more for like the gross like visceral stuff. Uh, so they're going around like Hollowood, which is just Hollywood, and they fall down a manhole into a cabaret where <clears throat> the walls are pulsating. There's a heart under the floor. And a thing, a man thing in the wall curled up into like a fetus orb tells them to perform for him. And it turns out that he got so jaded by the like need for fame and adoration of Hollywood that he became an ulcer in his own stomach. Holy shit. (laughs) I don't even know where to start with that. Right? Like you, the plots in this are so It's commentary. It's body horror. It's like, this thing looks good. Like I remembered it. There, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a strong sense of what were they smoking that I got uh-huh. while watching some of this stuff. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> what were the sensor? Were the, were the sensors like just like they just all you get got wired? <laughs> you get one, John Dilworth. Make it count. Um, <laughs> of course, the the uh, gerbil, the gerbil's world, where the, the gerbil, gerbil is I testing cosmetics went... on humans. <laughs> Yeah, and it's it like the way he does it is like um, he kind of he shrinks Eustace and Muriel and puts them in like this 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 mad scientist menagerie kind of thing, where like he just tested tests uh, cosmetics on a bunch of different like different like people in in these cages. It's like pretty creepy, and it has one of my favorite moments ever. I'll get back to it during the musical uh, kind of when we yeah. talk about the music, but it's amazing. Yeah, just just in summary, like the show makes choices no other show would. And they like, like stacked on top of each other. It's so un- like the unexpected. This yes. is a horror for the audience as well as courage because you don't know what's coming either. You're gonna see weird stuff that's not in this world. Uh, I do love whenever Doctor Katz shows up, like the very first episode with the mm, Katz Motel. That theme. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very good. First episode. And there's nowhere to run. <laughs> and nowhere to hide. I wish you wouldn't do that. And then they play handball. They play... Okay, yeah. yeah. One more plot thing before we get going. <laughs> so often, are they in some weird situation where it's like, oh, a, um, like this, 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 this fly with this, um, not just this fly, but the, it's got like this big proboscis, this mosquito monster is living with Muriel and Eustace and is sucking them dry. And Courage is like, you gotta leave. And the monster, not he, he could easily overpower Courage, but instead they decide to have a who-can-eat-the-grossest-food contest. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just different iterations of boiled broccoli, which just get grosser and grosser. I mean, um, bo- <laughs> there's boiled broccoli is the, already kind of gross. You gotta roast broccoli to really get the flavor out of it. So, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm not. I'm not here to. Add some I'm not here to sauce. step on roasted broccoli. There's in the Tower of Doctor Jolost episode. You know, he's climbing the tower. He's trying to confront the evil guy at the end, and the evil guy at the end ties him up and makes him play hangman. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> Courage and a huge stone golem have a freestyle dance contest on a cardboard <laughs> box to settle their differences. This is a. This is constant enough to be like, what exactly is the purpose here? And I, they always have this. 
this odd this odd game of chance this this odd like game to settle the differences with the, with a tiny pink dog and these like horror monsters. And I'm gonna throw out there: this is a terrible show to just half watch. Like, yeah. like if you're if, if you're kind of doing something else in the in heaven in the background, this is this is my problem as a law student: is that I think I took in more episodes this way because then. I uh, I have it on. I'm like, yeah, okay. So I see the title card. This is what it's going to be about. And I'm like, okay, it's in the background. Let me, okay, let me like skim this case. And I look up and I wonder what the hell, like, how did this become the, the episode? Why are we doing handball yeah, now? It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you do this kind of handball. And they're not long episodes. Like they're 11 minutes each. Oh. So I like when I could sit down and like just watch it from end to end, then I could understand <laughs> Kind of how they get mm-hmm. from A to B to C, but like again, only yeah. kind of, <laughs> only kind of, but like it, you really need to pay attention to the show to, to really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so with that, let's go into the characters and talk about them at length. And this is where I'm going to oh, kind of uh, do my whole Cassandra sorry, tree please. thing. Before we yeah, go ahead. I just wanted to add, um, Ben. You know, you've you've mentioned your definition of monsters, something that thinks in a way that is distinctly not human. Yes. And I think that is um, like something to keep in mind with most of the characters in this show is like, and, and that drives the fact that they can have those weird confrontations is like, what is what is the motive behind this? This is unnerving because of it. Right. It's alien, which maybe uh, maybe affirms the fact that they like maybe it, it, it synergizes with the fact that they end up playing weird games instead of having a like an actual confrontation at the end. It's yeah, like, like a sword battle. That's what the monster wants. Yeah, right, exactly. I know it's just a sword battle. <laughs> yeah, I get that. Like, but like, you know, playing hangman while tied up by a mad scientist. Like, I don't even know where we're going with this. How did we get here? Uh, <laughs> exactly. So, uh, our titular character, Courage, the cowardly dog, um, played by I had it up a moment ago, uh, Marty Grabstein, who apparently just did did a bunch of work on a bunch of stuff, but is not much of a voice actor in terms of like th- this isn't. Where what he goes to exactly? Mm-hmm. I, I thought it might have been Frank Welker because he plays all animals, but uh, no, it's uh it's this guy who who doesn't historically do a lot of voice acting work, but uh, he does a very good read of uh, vaguely Jewish uh, pink dog <laughs> that's scared of everything. <laughs> the whimpering the I is do for love. Your main responsibility in this show is going to be whimpering, uh, secondarily <laughs> screaming, and thirdly doing that like ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah he's, he's good. At, he's got a few really good sound clips. Again, I don't think it's like the best voice acting work ever, but it it is definitely good enough. Um, Courage's character is that he's scared of everything, but also willing to go to very great lengths to. It's kind of the classic definition of courage. You can't have it without a healthy dose of fear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the the idea that he is a cowardly dog kind of bolsters the idea that he actually is courageous because he's so scared but he's still willing to throw himself into the fire. Yeah, that's exactly what courage is. Like you, if you're not afraid of doing something, you're not courageous for doing it. And you're also an idiot. You're also an idiot. You should be afraid of everything. You should be fearful of every single aspect of your life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, yep. that makes you stronger. Yes, I. I think it's not just that he is afraid and moves past it. It's that at a certain point in an episode, he's like, all right, this is some bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) He's just kind of tired of it. Where the computer that he sometimes talks to to get information is like, well, yeah, the foot monster that absorbed uh, your family uh, can only be defeated by dog spit. And he's like, you made that up. (laughs) Yeah, that's... You twit. 
Um, I, I do think that he is sort of a Cassandra figure, as I had said before, mm. because he sees the creepy stuff and often isn't believed by the only other people in the world, apparently. Um, yeah, uh, do you guys think that the Cassandra truth thing holds water? Like, these are the different ways that people react to harsh truths. I like it. To, one might say, inconvenient truths. Uh, I, I like it. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Because Eustace's <laughs> response to that, I think, is the most telling, which is not merely to disbelieve the dog, but to attack him for it. Mm-hmm. You're telling me things I don't want to believe. You are my, you know, source of ire. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. going to attack you for and it. And by the way, Ben, this is more than climate change. This is literally everything nowadays. <laughs> it's all I was, it. I was, I, I was trying we... to, like, you know, center ourselves to something. But yeah, it's impossible right. to center yourselves in this day and age because... Literally everything is like that now. That's yeah. true. That's true. Um, it, yeah, it, any any inconvenient truth that you try to share on the internet is going to be met with a uh, harsh... It's like, we're in a world full of Eustaces right mm-hmm. now. It is terrible. Uh, the people on the other side are Eustace, and the people on our side are fucking Muriel. <laughs> like, they ignore it until they can't ignore it anymore. Yeah, yeah. Denial, anger, there's some bargaining, certainly depression. Yeah. Only courage has acceptance. <laughs> And Courage becomes an anxiety-filled doomsayer. Like, he, he doesn't get out. Like, Cassandra did not have that rosy at the disposition in, in, you know, in, in her story. Like, she doesn't do that well. Um, you know, so you know, there's also a cost to her. Like, I, I, she doesn't get out of it. I need to say this. I, 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 you've brought up a Cassandra figure many times. And I have to say, I don't actually know the original story. I only can think of the character from Soul Calibur. Uh, I don't know if that's... <laughs> Yeah, I, that's always what my brain jumps to. <laughs> I only understand it because I've heard the the turn of phrase. So Ben, maybe trope, you could. Yeah. If, 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 if you <laughs> do, you actually know the story, Ben? If you know, no, I don't. I, I just know it through through you know tropes and stuff. Um, Show notes. Let's see. Well, that's that's just a pain in the butt. I know. Somebody <laughs> Google it. Somebody Google Cassandra. And, yeah. I'm I'm trying to right now. Um, Classical mythology, goddamn. Ooh, not to give you something to uh, edit around, but I got my poll monitor assignment for election day. Woo-hoo. Ooh. Oh, congratulations! Non-part- there you go. Non-part- You're gonna be a poll monitor. That's being great. a nonpartisan poll monitor to keep the That's awesome. to keep the chuds at bay. <laughs> <laughs> and then the chuds came at me. I was going to do it, but I just need to not be in Philly come election night because my car will get yep. just fucking ransacked again. <laughs> I'm so tired of that happening. I mean, we see what happens when your baseball team wins. So, like, that's... Yeah, yeah no thanks. <laughs> anyway. Uh, looks like Cassandra was the daughter of King Priam from the, you know, Odyssey and, and that uh, Iliad. And, uh, she, yeah, she was just like, this is not going to end well. And they yeah, were like, she oh, was an oracle sure, of sorts. Well. Wasn't she also blind or something like that? She had the gift of prophecy, but was cursed by Apollo that her true prophecies would not be believed uh, because she refused him sex. Uh, wow. Well, okay. <laughs> okay. Ta- taking off the weird psychosexual component of the uh, Odyssey, uh, I think that the Cassandra truth is like a really useful uh, trope in in storytelling yeah. and like kind of examining the human condition of where we don't want to believe things that are very believable because they are hard. In some versions of the myth, Apollo curses her by spitting into her mouth. Kinky. Anyway, um, thank you, <laughs> thank you. Got to play, pay for that in some places. Uh, so yeah, look, looking at these characters. <laughs> no, yeah, Cur- no, yeah, yeah, no. I understand it now, and it, it makes sense that Courage is kind of in that position. He's cursed mm-hmm. to never be believed, 
because he's a dog. Right. You know? Yeah, why yeah, would they be? I, mm-hmm. I, I don't think that there is needs to, you know, necessarily, you know, that, that that's some good synergy between his his narrative function as a dog. Of course, he's hard to understand, you know, um, and also his literary function as a Cassandra figure, mm. which is that he people don't want to believe him. Um, that's some good synergy. I don't know how much farther it goes, though. I don't know either. Also, like when dogs know when something terrible is about to happen, and when oh, yeah. we, when we notice that you're supposed to listen to the dog. This is ridiculous. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, do you think that there was any commonality? Is, was there any connective tissue between Courage the Cowardly Dog and uh, Scooby Doo? Oh, Ooh. possibly a light inspiration. Yeah, because I didn't see anything like explicitly listed, but yeah. cowardly dog that can t- sort of talk to humans, but not really. It, it feels like there's got to be something. I, there. I did see that John Dilworth did some work for Hanna Barbera, so certainly he was aware of the tropes of of the dogs. Right, <laughs> the tropes of the dogs. Yeah, the the year of the dog, the trope of the dog, <laughs> the the hair of the dog. Um, Eustace the and Muriel of the dog. are good characters. They're they're like clearly defined, but they're not that interesting. They're more they're very like, functionary. Yeah, they mm-hmm. they respond to the issue at hand in yeah. a way that is consistent, but predictable. Yeah, exactly. I I think that Muriel is like pretty boring i like eustace a bit better because of his place as a sacrifice to the horror movie gods somebody doesn't get out alive yeah he frequently dies this is one of those shows yeah well deserved well Um, deserved (laughs) i say yeah um so i I like that he he fulfills that role um i like what you said earlier is that like occasionally when he does something compassionate it is Mm self-serving um and and that that directly feeds into uh, the sacrifice to the horror movie gods, which is like if so- somebody's got to go by the end of the episode, yeah. you got to have it be the asshole. Yeah. Um, so we see him doing a lot of shitty stuff to a dog, which that's animal cruelty. Yeah. Like it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter that this is like it's it's you know this is, stop being mean to dogs. But like you know he's he's kicking courage, he's he's scaring him and stuff like that. So when he gets his, there is sort of an element of uh, you know cheering for the villain getting uh getting um yeah if this is gonna happen what, to anybody the, the we're pilloried if this is gonna happen to anybody it might as well be the character literally named useless bag <laughs> oh is that what that's yeah is that what that, that, the, that's the, the, the intention i believe oh wow okay. yeah i never caught that yeah it's satisfying to see him get his isn't it i will say i do like his mannerisms like his old like the whole I'm old and I'm entitled because of the old. <laughs> is, is kind of it's a good bit, <laughs> and, want, and just like all the old man grunting noises. Yeah. I want my paper. Um, I want my money. <laughs> I have I a variety of charming yeah. grunts. It's cantankerous. Yeah, I, they they are very much the classic uh, Ray Barone parents. Uh, you know, one of them is very sweet and dot and doting, and the other one is just kind of crotchety and negative. Um, and it's a good pairing. Are they Scottish? <laughs> I couldn't they're, quite they're tell. I got the Irish vibe. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah especially with Eustace and the no, hat. No, no, uh, Muriel's from Scotland. Oh, she's Scot- okay. okay Muriel's from Scottish. Scotland, but but Eustace is is Irish. And the okay. the way that they like, if something's not coming and knocking at their door. They get lured into something. So, like, um, a door-to-door salesman might come by and say, hey, you could win a trip home. And they'd be like, oh, great. I would love to go to Scotland. And they go with the person. But the person is a fish. 
And what they meant was, well, we all <laughs> come from the sea, and then we're doing, we're going to put you in front of a fish tribunal for fish crimes. Yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> so, like, fish crime. Fish court. It's not that just classic that, horror like, trope, fish crime. It's not just that stuff happens in nowhere. It's that the universe is singling out these people specifically, drawing them away mm. to do something terrible to them. <laughs> it's like a test there, that's there being sort iterated of an, on. There is sort of an aggrieved Nate, like an aggrieved sentiment toward this show where we do feel like the the main characters are kind of victims, mm-hmm. just like the victims of the universe. It, it's almost like the universe is testing uh, these like average Americans just like, oh, hey, like like they're polling them. Like, how would you respond in this situation? <laughs> you know, yeah, Bellwether State. Like, um... It's the book yeah, of they... Job. <laughs> this, this show is, oh, is the book or, of Job um... meets Lovecraft. Oh, this is, this is the like book that. of Job meets Lovecraft meets uh, the Truman Show. Yeah, because we're watching a show. What do you mean? I don't. I don't know, man. Like it just when you said singled out uh, to to you know so, you know for for everyone to kind of like view how these average Americans work. I don't know that for for me that felt like Truman Show shit. But a lot of stuff does. So, it, but yeah, it does feel somewhat like a like a purgatory or like a testing ground. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think that there's a lot more to these characters. Like, that they just iterate on, throw these guys with very well-defined... That's the thing, also. They don't have a lot of depth, but they do have a lot of definition. Mm-hmm. So we can always tell how they're going to react. And uh, there is kind of a catharsis in watching Eustace be Eustace in situations where, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, courage comes in from outside. He transmogrifies into a bunch of unrelated objects, Um and, you know, tries to communicate with Eustace, and Eustace, like, kind of takes it, beat panel, <laughs> stupid dog, and, you know, uh, does the does the, the ooga booga mask and, like, sits back down. Like, he doesn't want to listen to him, and there's just, like, mm. it's the comedic payoff, you know? We, we know, well, that's my mama. It is satisfying to see other ways to deal with crises, which is, you know, in Muriel's case, largely to ignore it. It's like, oh, that's very comforting. She's making these delicious foods. And in oh, I kind of meant it from like, like a... pissing into a tornado, and you're like, "Yeah, fuck that tornado!" But then you're like, "That doesn't actually fix the problem of the tornado. We I need to actually do from... something about the tornado." I, I kind of meant it from the um, like Pavlovian response of like, "That's why catchphrases exist." This show does oh, yeah. market their catchphrases pretty heavily, and that uh, there is a comfort in like seeing Eustace behave like a Eustace would. Yeah, at least to me, very shaped. Do you guys, uh, what do you guys think of the other characters? The either one-off characters or repeat offenders? Um, what do you guys think? Did, did you see any, uh, any monsters that you, uh, particularly enjoyed, Dan? Um. Like, were there real creepy, like, evocative, wow, this is a, this is a really, like, this is very other, this is really getting me in the good, I don't know what I'm looking to, looking at kind of place. I might be jaded. I might be... It, like it, they, you've seen it all before. I've seen it all. I've seen it all. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, nothing really stands out. I wish I had more for you on that front, but um, it like the the style though is just so cool. Yeah, and you're right. Like I think Zane, you mentioned Dali earlier for kids. That's kind. Mm-hmm. That's kind totally. of what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Especially yeah, it's just bleeding into animation a bit, yeah. especially just like the very wide background shots of uh of their little shack in the middle of mm-hmm. nowhere with the with the windmill. Like pastoral, but something's a little off. Yeah, I don't think I watched enough of it to really get a strong sense of especially the the repeats. So Yeah. Did you 
did you happen to you saw the king ramses one yeah though, right? i did i did see that yeah 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 so even like the depiction of king ramses is so other because like cgi, it's CGI. yeah yeah that was whereas everything is just a regular hanna-barbera style kind of cartoon sort of thing. yeah but it it was um, kind of a goofy cgi though so it was it's, it's still it's still got its own in. little yeah it still fit in. yeah it's it's got its own little yeah, like it's, it's got its own verbal like a uh, like you know visual flourishes that make it cohere with the rest of the world mm-hmm. but i i do like that that style of of the villains in general is that they are pretty other mm-hmm. even if they're drawn in the right animation styles mm-hmm. like dr Katz is a reoccurring kind of villain he's got his own late motif yeah. love it um but he, you know, he's just like this this cat that is too tall and always grimacing slightly and talks with like this very, you know, Oxford accent. He's very proper and he towers over courage. Like that's just a good design. Yeah, he's just a cat, but like elongated yeah. and perverted through like this this uh, this weird with this weird lens. Flip the, the, the one offs. Oh, yeah, yeah it just flipped the cat and dog relationship on its head. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, the the one off characters I think are generally very good because you can be mm-hmm. creative because you don't need them back. Um, yeah. I'm thinking of like, sorry, I just had a few. Give me a second. What about that? Um, there's like that roach. Like they usually have like oh, Bushwick? Some, some. Yeah, Bushwick. Call me Bushwick. Not or call me Schwick. Not Bushwick. Just just Schwick. Where are you from, Schwick? Bushwick. You can call that Bushwick, but not me. Me, you call Sh- I I haven't even watched this episode again. I just remember the line so clearly. <laughs> and see? it's just like this gigantic, disgusting roach. Like, what the Clippin, fuck? Clippin, when he talks about the bones, like, you see that oh, door? Oh, God, it's so You want to know what's behind that door? You don't want to know what's behind that door. You see these bones? You want to know what made these bones? You don't want to know what made these bones. And the whole time, uh, Courage is like kind of playing along with him when he says, "You want to know what's behind that door?" And he starts nodding, and the other guy goes, "You don't want to know what's behind." And he goes into a shaking his head, like, "No, I guess I don't." Um, I liked the snowman who was forced to. Um, oh, his home was his, the Arctic was destroyed because of the hole in the ozone layer, so he built a cryo finger to invade the middle of nowhere to create his snow palace and courage had to sew up like literally sew up the hole in the ozone layer while the snowman did like a surf rock song um yeah there's stuff like that that's just this ridiculous amalgamation of character traits and then there's like a tech yuppie from south california (laughs) (laughs) who just shows up every so often with like yeah (laughs) Like, just with the, this, this this real shitty affect, and it's like, how are these in the same show? Well, the, the, the recurring characters, the recurring villains tend to be kind of worse, actually, because they're so one-note. Like, uh, D. Long, who is just a Chinese stereotype that is not helpful in any way. Mm. <laughs> he's, he's real perplexing. <laughs> like, what are, you, what are you doing here, and why does the music go to those chime bells every time? <laughs> The chime bells are not great. I didn't feel like he was stereotyped in a Chinese way, though. I, I got, like, entitled yuppie from South California. Yeah, a little bit of both. Um, but, but like, what is he doing there? What is he doing in Kansas? And why is he around so often? It's just, like, their weird extras yeah. don't belong there in the way that nothing belongs there. <laughs> and it just it's funnier every time when I see this guy. <laughs> it's just wearing shorts. He's just mouthing off to Courage. Just kind of doing his own thing, just being in the 
weird veneer of of this of this pastoral oddity. Yeah. Um, but I, I do like the characters a lot. Let's uh, go into the the tone of the show, which, again, you know, this is a horror comedy. It plays both sides, and it plays both of them well. The um, let, let's talk about the comedy first, because mm. it's got a lot of good comedic shorthand um, that I think uh, owes itself a lot to John Dilworth's kind of background. He had as one of his influences Charlie Chaplin, mm. and I think that kind of shows in a lot of the slapstick and the you know, kind of situational comedy um, and, and like the reactions to, to, to weirdness going on. You know, I'm, I'm kind of reminded of um, uh, what modern life, modern living. What was the Charlie Chaplin moving? Modern times. Movie? Modern, time. modern times. Modern times where he's, um, you know, Charlie Chaplin is like working on an assembly line and he gets dragged into the machine and his response to that is try to is to continue doing his job from inside of the machine as it's eating him. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's sort of the reaction that I get from courage in a lot of like the in a lot of the locations or from Eustace especially like there is this ancient mummy who is like threatening him with a curse and like Eustace just going like what's your offer no solicitors like <laughs> he only just, has so many verbs yeah. Re- yeah reacting to it like he's an annoying you know pest on his lawn yeah. and not something like of an eldritch power he's more yeah, he's, uh, he's more annoyed to hear his doorbell than to be faced with a monster like yeah right but 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 like that um that this comedy this reaction doesn't meet yeah, the exactly. moment yeah. is something that happens really well here because the moments are <laughs> yes. ridiculous yeah and it, the characters it, are so down to earth in the moment in the in the episode where um, Muriel gets eaten by this foot fungus mm-hmm. um, the the foot who is a gangster wants to knock over a train he's do pulling a train job and Courage is eating a banana and he slips on the banana and he kicks it too far. That's like like the slipping on a banana peel is as old hat as slapstick gets, but the new twist is that this giant foot is knocking over the state of Florida, <laughs> as yeah, well like, it should. Exactly. <laughs> Back into the so, sea. So much of the comedy, so much of the comedy is is in the same realm of like Courage's uh, one of his little verbal flourishes of like looking at a situation that should not be and just going. <laughs> like he's just like I'm with you too, lo- man. <laughs> Am I looking at this right? <laughs> there is an episode where um, there is a hardened criminal, also a great character, who shows up at their door, who is oh. robbing them. <laughs> yup. <laughs> but he has he has some unresolved mental trauma, and he also thinks that they're his like extended family, who's who he's yeah, just he- he's just there for the holidays. <laughs> yeah, he's he's. He gets. He's got one of those like split personality things that is like not particularly well handled or, or you know, uh, yeah. or dealt with in the in the realm of like mental trauma is um is not uh is not really cared for nicely in uh, in media. Mm-hmm. But, but um, but the it is a pretty funny situation. Yeah, but the surreal slapstick of it is they're pulling a job where they um steal uh, Mount Rushmore, <laughs> and when the the officials come to get them. Uh, they hide inside of Lincoln's nose, and the officials are using this like big paper mache finger on a stick to pick the <laughs> nose. And eventually, they give up. They're like, "Let's forget it. No one's ever survived Lincoln's nose." 
Like, the surrealism is really helping the comedy slapstick here in ways that would never happen in real life. Yeah. It's like the, it's like how Bust, you, you watch a Buster Keaton and sometimes they do tricks with the camera on the light where it's like, that that shouldn't be possible. <laughs> no, sir. Right. Yeah, that that is, and, and that's one of the more comedic episodes, but they can also do it with, like, a lot of the horror stuff as well, where, like, it it is spooky, but the reaction to it is so goddamn silly that it, it, it can't help but be kind of funny. That, that's, like, um, that's the thing I love. Yeah, no, ahead. that's the thing I love, and that's where the surrealism comes in. I think I, I, I actually had a hard time buying that this was a scary horror show. Like, it was a surre- it was just surreal. It was absolutely surreal. Mm-hmm. I didn't, like, mm-hmm. there were monsters, yes, but is this truly a horror show? The, um, Interesting. Yeah, it's yes. it's um the, the, there's the, the one episode with Bushwick um mm-hmm. where he he kind of tasks courage to deliver this package um or or like to pick up a package from like someplace downtown and if he doesn't get back by the end of the time period he's going to eat Muriel mm-hmm. or feed it to the beast or something like mm-hmm. that and after all after the whole thing he's gone through all this stuff he like the the guy is pretty scary um, he finally delivers the package. It's a broken squeegee. <laughs> yeah, like it, it's a squeegee, so he can wipe off the "Please help me, oh God, why" kind of yeah. message on the wall from yeah. his last victim. Yeah. And it's just like that weird Shaggy Dog yeah. story. Is like that's what we were doing. <laughs> like, the the contrast between like the the situation that we're in, and then the, like the the beat panel and the complete left turn that they do to veer it into comedy mm-hmm. or into horror from comedy is just mm-hmm. so effective. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of the other comedy influences, I think, are um, I got a lot of Tex Avery vibes purely from like Courage's facial expressions. Like yeah. the facial expression game on on the characters is very strong. They're very evocative. When Courage screams and like the tongue with the uvula kind of yeah. like reverberating stuff, that's straight Tex Avery, mm-hmm. you know, the screaming or like seeing a sexy lady and having like the tongue unfurl on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> Courage's tongue like constantly stuff. breaks off. Like, yeah. it's frozen to something like and it breaks nothing. in half or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and one of the most common ways that this show does, like, uses that cartoon logic is in, like, the sense of scale and space and time. Like, uh, in, in the uh, episode with the gerbil, Doc Gerbil comes by. He's, he's offering this new impressive vacuum that will clean up all the dust, which is good because Eustace is just eating soup and there's <laughs> dust in his soup. <laughs> How does that happen? <laughs> um, but the Gerbil turns on the suction and, you know, Muriel and Eustace get sucked into the vacuum. Normal sized vacuum. For the rest of the episode, they are shrunk down as if they were inside of a vacuum. Even when they leave the vacuum, they're still that same size. It just, it messes with you <laughs> in the way that it doesn't talk about it. I have vague memories of them getting teleported thousands of years into the future where everyone is, like, and I'm sure this is a sci-fi movie, B-movie thing, where there's uh, banana people all over the place, um, yeah. an actual banana republic. It's and a reverse all Planet of eat- the Apes. <laughs> yeah, and it's, they're all being eaten by a gigantic, like a gigantic uh, monkey king or some, something like that. Mm-hmm. Like it, or, or and even some soiling green uh, vibes as well, because like when they get chosen, they get you know shoved through this door, and like this gigantic monkey eats them, and it's like there it is it is such a privilege to be admitted to the king or something, and he just eats them. Like 
like the, so like the, the notion that they're going thousands of years <laughs> into the future i don't even remember why that happened like the reasons break away mm-hmm. it it intentionally kind of fucks with our perception of, of time and space because there, there's no need to adhere to any of it we're in cartoon <laughs> yeah there we're we are in a place where this is sort of the thing with the you know john dilworth doesn't know what can't be done is that we don't have any of those like fixtures of causality that we need to appeal to um which i i, I really appreciate it's why i think this is so inventive um sometimes yeah. like an example of that is like sometimes a person is threatening courage with a weapon in this show a net is more threatening than a bomb right and a fish is <laughs> is more threatening than a bomb like yes the, the... A, b- a bomb is kind of the lowest level of threat here <laughs> yeah <laughs> it all goes up yeah that's i wonder what the hell that means in a freudian sense let's let's pick that apart <laughs> What? If we want to talk about Freud, we got to talk about the last episode. I don't. I don't know if I didn't get the constitution there. for that. I didn't get to the last episode, so we're gonna have it, to. It, 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 last episode worth, is something interesting. Yeah, it's worth looking at just to like scar your mind briefly because it's okay. not expected. Okay. Even if you know what's coming, you're like, mm, that's unsettling. I don't like that. Yeah, there's. Um, I'll definitely like have to like clip you something just to like kind of give you, but it's. Uh, the the basics it's pretty famous yeah it's 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 a little infamous um the basics of it are that like courage is trying to do a bunch of stuff for his family he's kind of fucking it up in a way that like you know he's he's a dog he's working with that he has but he he breaks it <laughs> he breaks a table he doesn't fix the windmill right which is apparently under his purview of responsibility um it, it's so like he's just he's feeling bad about himself and he goes to sleep that night and has like has a bunch of dreams where he's failing people culminating with um this this i don't even know how to describe this this image of like this cgi fetus in a tank that is like kind of malformed and like has like this one tentacle that's like going from its head to its torso and only has one arm and just staring right at the camera and saying like in this whisper breathy voice you're not perfect uh, and that's it i've ha- and there's no you're not fading. perfect there's no like Oh, we see it from the back, and then it curls around. It is smash cut from a, <laughs> watching our good boy take a nap to <laughs> this thing. I'm pretty sure I've had that dream. It's very, very good. <laughs> I'm and gonna make it a yeah. point to go to the very end and make sure I see that. Yeah, that it's uh, just type in "You're not perfect, Kurds the cowardly dog" into YouTube, and you should probably get it. Like the rest of the episode, <laughs> honestly, is not that big of a deal compared okay. to that. It's just such a stark image. Okay. And this is where the CGI and things like the other styles of animation, because sometimes they'll just make it like a storybook, or they'll use claymation to pretty devastating effect. Mm. Um, <laughs> there are some other famous uh, instances, but yeah, I, I think that's a big aspect of why this sticks in your mind so well. Yeah, yeah, and it, they use that those effects outside of the usual like drawn cell animation to highlight like they're 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 using it to highlight the the weirdness of it yeah in the um in the schwick episode just to give you an example when courage is going through this apartment complex opening up every door to try to get the package 
Um, he opens some, up to some like fairly haunting stuff. He's like, uh, scary thing one, screams, sh- slams the door. Scary thing two, screams, slams the door. Like Godzilla movie. <laughs> yes, he, he opens up to a like just film like filming of a, of Godzilla, which by the way, I think I watched a couple. I saw a couple of times on their TV in nowhere, mm-hmm. just showing footage from Godzilla, which is a fascinating choice. Um, but the third one he opens is there's like this little girl who's who's sitting on a stool playing the violin softly and facing away from the door. And Courage is just like, ah. And then the little girl turns around and has this, like, nightmare face with, like, you know, bloodshot eyes. And it's all done in, like, creepy claymation shit and just screams at him. And it's like, the, that's, the, that's the sucker punch. It's the one-two combo is you set us up with creepy thing, creepy thing, nice thing. Oh, wait, far creepier thing. <laughs> And putting the CGI, the, the 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 claymation in that moment, and not the first two, is exactly what what you want to do to really make that pop. The subversion. It's very good. Um, Dan, what is your kind of uh, how do you how do you think the? I wanted to just um, rewind a little bit because we do have like a pretty comedic setting, a little a lot of like bait and switch things. Um, and we have a lot of B-more movie horror references. Like, there's an Isle of Dr. Moreau. There's, like, um, a Sweeney Todd character. <laughs> there's a bunch of, like, classic horror stuff. What are your feelings on trying to blunt that? The, like, the classic horror stuff. Trying to blunt that with um, with comedy. Do you, do you, what, what kind of utility do you think it has? Uh, yeah, so I think that the utility there is to really introduce people to some tropes that probably are a little outdated because a lot of that stuff you kind of have to go out of your way to find um, right it's not common it's not what the kids are into these days or at least in those days when courage was on so it has a little bit of that you know you you mentioned tex avery and i got a vibe of um looney tunes too just from the refer- yeah. just from the references that 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 come up like it's definitely people get hit with anvils and mallets yes yep, yeah yeah but uh like you what's the word i'm looking for watching looney tunes was a great introduction to certain things that were popular at the time that were like and so like this almost is a modern attempt to try to do that by taking in kind of like um the the what's opera doc episode of yeah. uh, bugs bunny yeah yeah, With kill the wabbit. A lot of people get into classical music and uh, Wagner and opera because of that episode, and that was yeah. that. You know, that was just something that was popular kind of at the time, but even then, it was a little outdated because that was from the 1800s. But you know, people get the show, and then they are exposed to that thing. Maybe they're going to seek it out in the future. That's kind of what Courage the Cowardly Dog did with its monsters and those sort of references. Is it's, it's hearkening back to something, and it's going to expose people to it. Maybe they're going to want to go back and see Godzilla. Maybe they're going to want to go back and, you know, check out the island of Dr. Moreau. They might want to go back and see some of these classic horror tropes and where they came from. And why are they in my surreal, creepy 11-minute cartoon about a <laughs> about a dog with a hole in his tooth? Have we ever figured out why he has a hole in his tooth? He eats a lot of sweets. Cool. I mean, He's, Muriel okay. feeds him a lot of table scraps. Okay. It's a cavity. Okay. That makes it's a sense. cavity, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. 
I think yeah, it, the... it it is good. Uh, it is good. Uh, nice and iconic. Yeah. You know, I, I I think that these models, like the characters, are not that like deep or anything, mm-hmm. and they're like not that inspired in to- in in terms of like design. But I, I do think that they have like little flourishes that uh, that sell the characters. Courage with the with the tooth, I think, is like a really good uh, good little thing there. Mm-hmm. There is um, Eustace and his kind of hat and overall combination <laughs> and. The yep. shape of his head. I love the way that hat sits on his head. Like it's yeah. clearly way bigger than his head. <laughs> <laughs> they just look very um, good. I, yeah. I, I I like the way you mentioned that like it's it's a newer version of Looney Tunes like in the What's Opera doc, because this is the show where I first heard the opera Carmen mm-hmm. in the context of it was a sea serpent singing it. <laughs> Zane, do you want to say the favorite your favorite line from that show, that episode? <laughs> <laughs> it's a pirate who abducts them he's like oh you want to come on a cruise and they're like yeah we'll come on a cruise 30 seconds into the episode okay i'm a pirate it's pirate time <laughs> and he says all right the, bo- the sea turns boys into men and men into salty men <laughs> and then he just growls at courage <laughs> yeah the, the writing in this is pretty good yeah yeah not yeah. in a way that like like it has to be one person who can imagine the whole thing this can't be like a people a bunch of people workshopping no. it. so there is some variance but like <laughs> you can go into some real deep waters i um i'm getting like a doc hammer uh kind of vibes mm-hmm. to like the dialogue where it, like it's clear that two people wrote this or like it's clear that one person like the uh like, like we the, had an in joke and we have to put it in now exactly kind of thing. The, like <laughs> the um like like when when hank says like uh, come on brock let me in there i probably know judo how many of these guys could make the same boast like, the, like that that just just like a weird line that like probably wasn't workshop the best or, or like all the david bowie references like there's no way that a committee would write that stuff <laughs> it just reveals something about the writer but yeah, yeah. oh venture bros yep oh venture bros rest in power um, do we want to talk about the music because uh, that's another part of the immersion. Try to stop me, dude. Like, oh, okay, Ben, let's not have you talk about the music. <laughs> Damn, <laughs> oh, you, what did you think? Of- no, you go ahead and talk about the music. <laughs> that's fine. So, um, <laughs> to to so first of all, I do want to say, like, I really like how we mix up the Charlie Chaplin style, like slapstick sound effects, or like the Hanna Barbera sound effect, like just like really classic kind of cartoony sound effects. Yeah, honk, boom. And like there's there's occasionally goofy themes. Like there's a like carnival themes and like you know, the the kind of like lilting piano thing for um Courage gets hit and is hit in the head with a mallet and the birdies go around his head, like that that whole thing. There's mm-hmm. also some nice like pastoral violin or piano sequences to to the kind of their downtime between crises. Like I really like that one piano piece. It's like something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is, you know, so that that's our jumping off point. And it, from there, it goes downright sinister at times. Like the the cats theme when you know he's he's fighting with Doctor Cats or whatever, and like you get that uh that late motif that we were talking about earlier, which is just like mm-hmm. way more oppressive and like. It's got kind of a rhythm. It's kind of got like an order to it that is emblematic of Dr. Katz's sort of methodology. Like his his he's very meticulous. He's like anything that he does, he tries to make it done perfectly. 
Um, he mm-hmm. doesn't like when plans go out of order. So his like the stick in time kind of nature to his music is is really evocative in that way. But it's also just so oppressive. Um, the there's um you know in in that episode there's like this kind of creepy synth and this sinister laugh that the cat is doing while this spider chitters toward courage. It's just such mm-hmm. a good contrast with how it normally is. Yeah. The, the music of how the spider moves, like the sound effects there. Mm-hmm. The, really the, 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 the creepy violin that you get with spiders, yes. Like uh, like like Lord of the Rings. The, the music that... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, this might be a, the effect of me being, first of all, like the first time I really got into the show and also just like the time crunch and my attention. The music yeah. felt more it didn't stand out to me as much when it was that sort of expected horror music like it felt more the stuff that stood out to me more was when they kind of took that away and replaced it with something <laughs> like oh my gosh there was uh, the episode with the goose the like the perfect adonis goose who was trying oh to seduce away muriel <laughs> that that was that was such a change of pace from the music because it was classical music just in the background to right. like really like that is what <laughs> really stood out to, to me evoke those like, Greek uh, those Greek roots yeah exactly and that that is what really like gave me the sense of the Looney Tunes aspect is because that also mm-hmm. introduced a lot of people to music that they weren't really uh, exposed to I can't remember which composer and which symphony was playing as the goose's theme. <laughs> I don't know why. I cannot place it, but like that was some straight up classical music. Everything well, else. Wasn't it like the, goose, everything wasn't else, it the Ride of the Valkyries or something? No, it wasn't that. I would not <laughs> would not miss Ride of the Valkyries. You would not you would not forget that I one. I would not yeah, forget great. that one. But like that like it was so like so the other stuff was so good that it blended into the background. It just became part of the show. And then you get mm-hmm. moments like that. For some reason that 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 stands out to me too. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, that's that's effective tonal music is when it it doesn't uh, emphasize itself. I think the main one that comes to me in terms of like, oh, this is courage taking an action, like this is an action scene, is that sort of like inverted Mission Impossible, like dang, 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 dang. Oh, that's a good Very, one. Yeah, um, like that's how you know he's uh, making change in the world. Um, also, the ending theme, which is just like really totally discordant like it's just ukulele music with people moaning over top of it with like animal sounds <laughs> it's like yes this is a little bit of aftercare for you like it's, it's peppy and happy and you can't be mad listening to a ukulele but then there's just like mm, somebody clearing their throat the whole time <laughs> it's, 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 it's really something yeah there are a couple moments that i'm just really impressed with the music Probably my favorite one, and I'm going to clip it in because it's amazing. And I'm probably going to make you watch it right now, Dan. Oh, no. Um, is in the Dr. Gerbil episode. Okay. Where... <laughs> Two tracks. It's it's so good. There's... Okay, so first of all, there's a, like, kitschy um, kind of kind of jingle. Like a like a infomercial jingle of uh, the uh, of somebody just... Like, these little kids chanting... It's Dr. Bull's world. It's Dr. Bull's world. Just ad nauseum for like two minutes. And then when they finally make their escape, there's like a there's like an airboat chase, like in Deliverance or something. And or not Deliverance, what am I thinking? I'm not sure. Um uh Speed. It's it's not speed. Speedy speed to the boat. Airboats. <laughs> Fan boats. <laughs> um no, um it's oh gosh. Oh well, 
Um, Deliverance 2. No, no, no. Speed. God damn it. I can't think of my references. But anyway, they, they, they have like an air boat chase, like a fan boat chase. And um, the sound effects, like they, they like there's like this tsunami that kind of carries them through this cave. And they emerge from it. And all of the sound effects, except for the voices, except for Courage's kind of screaming and stuff, everything cuts out. There's no splashing. There's no <laughs> nothing. It's just... It's just this um, haunting wail. <laughs> it's, just, it's just like this 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 person singing, um, and I don't remember what the it's it's something like opera kind of stuff. I'm gonna share it in the in the channel real quick just so you can listen to it because it, I, I don't even know that it's a legit song. I think it's just like I think it is a legit song, but unearthly if you, moaning. If you go there and go to about a minute and just like listen to that real quick, Dan, I would be very pleased. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do that right now. <laughs> just do that for me. A minute, you say? You, it, at, at about the minute mark. Minute-ish. There's going to be a, like a little bit of lead-up, and then it'll start. All right, here we go. What the fuck? Okay. For some reason, this is playing back on my regular speakers, so you might have to edit around this. <laughs> so here we go. Not a problem. It's just about impossible to describe. <laughs> yeah, this is that's it's very dramatic. It's it's very I, like What what is going on deeply, in that scene? Why are there no sound effects? Like deeply weird. And it's like it's not the creepiest situation that he's ever been in. Like he's done chases before. This guy is not physically intimidating. <laughs> I I I, I it's, I question, but don't dislike the choice to put this musical sequence in this moment. You see, this is the kind of thing that doesn't really stand out to me because it just seems like it fits the style perfectly. It, it, it does fit the style, but yeah. I don't think I've ever seen this kind of treatment for a cartoon to adopt in their, like, how they mm -hmm. integrate music because it, it's not mm. integration like, you know, we've got a song, we've got a Simpsons song, and we're going to have people sing and dance because it's going to be a musical yeah. today. It's not that style of integration. It is, we are being unnerved in animation. We're being unnerved in tone, going from horror to comedy to back again. We're being unnerved, like, cosmologically. We don't know what time and place we're in. And we're being unnerved musically we don't know what we're about to get we could easily get a sea serpent singing carmen we could also get yep. this weird operatic where like there's no sound effects during an airboat chase I, I i don't know how to describe how cool that scene is or how much it impacted me when i saw it like this this is the thing it's this this is the moment that stuck with me for courage a cowardly dog yeah. first and foremost is just that sequence that it, yeah i feel you i feel you on that nails it god let me get my notes And then back sometimes up. there's like racist ethnic music that just shows up. There's yeah, there's a good amount of Muriel <laughs> playing a sitar for like Eastern you know, mysticism kind of stuff. Um, I'm thinking of D Lung and the uh, Indian doctor as well. Yeah, the, just like, the Oh Doctor Vindaloo. Yes. Yeah, it's just like okay, you took you took maybe you got a, you got too excited and took a little too much of Lovecraft is, is what I'm <laughs> <here>. <laughs> and, and granted, like I think that the music is generally kind of a, almost a hallmark of the show. Like, I think mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. There, there's there's so many things that are interesting about this show, but like the the music treatment for some of those creepy scenes, um, I think is what stood stood out to me the most. The rest of the audio design, the rest of the sound design on it, I think is a little lackluster. Mm-hmm. Like the voice acting is fine. Yeah, it sort of lacks the refinement of industry professionals, though. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, all of the voice actors for the main three cast and probably a couple other, you know, one-offs, they're not people who regularly do voice acting. They they, they do acting, but there is a difference, and it's a different skill set. Mm-hmm. And also, just like a lot of the dialogue is a little bit like, maybe not rote, but like a little uninspired. Um, yeah. Especially like Courage's dialogue, a lot of the way he reacts to situations is pretty formulaic. Like he he gets a couple of catchphrases and then just kind of repeats them. Um, I, I think that goes to show that like these characters are not um, pro- they're, they're protagonists, but they're not heroes. The world is acting upon them, and they're really just normal folks. Right? They they, they don't have agency. They're plug and play. You put them in the situation, and then they they you wind them you wind them up and watch them go. Like um. The uh, when, when Courage says, um, you know, the things I do for love, like an old Jewish comedian or whatever, um, yeah. you, know, you know, that that kind of like it's a living sort of line <laughs> is just is, is a very tired way to tell a joke. Like, it's not even a joke. It's just uh, that's just his his accent at that point. This you know? is a bit like a deity who has just created a little bubble of I'm going to throw everything that I can and let's see how these creatures react. It's like it, well, it, like it, a simulation. It's, yeah, it's like how we it, no, like a petri it, it's like dish. how we play the Sims. It's like let's <laughs> let's just see what happens if I put my Sims in the middle of Kansas with monsters. And they're, <laughs> and they're just there to react. You don't care about them otherwise. They're just there to react to everything. Oh, or like in um in Fallout Three, there is this sequence where you have to go into this simulation that this uh, corrupt AI has trapped a bunch of people's minds in. Yeah, it's oh, no. crazy. That's you, crazy. You, wow. You, <laughs> you basically get downloaded into like these um these very different like fifties uh, stereotype kind of environments okay. where this malicious AI just you know, unleashes a slasher in the town, like causes some of the dogs to explode, just does like random obnoxious shit Amazing. and like has a bunch of, like basically is killing these people while they're hooked up to this machine, unable to escape, just over and over, just iterating on different bad things to happen to them and then wow. starting from starting from zero again. That sounds like this show. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Uh, they all have uh, kind of catchphrase sort of things. Um, you know, Muriel has the, oh my, that kind of, that bit. Or the, like, woozy, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Courage. Um, they, they just don't have that much to say to each other, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, they're, they're not really interacting in any way that promotes character development, which is fine. But it just makes the dialogue a little bit flat. They're an old married couple. What do you expect? Yeah. They've said everything. They've that. said everything. That has to be said in their lifetimes, and now they're just like, in like, like yeah. crack, like wise crack mode. I I do like yeah they're in Statler and Waldorf <laughs> mode. I do like the way that like Muriel and Hustis don't like argue with each other. Like they're just comfortable in their own dynamic. Mm-hmm. You know, like <laughs> they barely acknowledge the other one exists. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. Like 
even if Eustace is kind of a shit to courage, she doesn't even really take it. She doesn't even really scold him. <laughs> like, it's just like, it's not worth the effort anymore. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's nice to be able to like go into their world, see what weird stuff happens, find a nice comforting ending to stop watching mm-hmm. at, and then just kind of like leave this alone for a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just kind of let it fester because you've seen too much already. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Um, one second. I was going to say a thing, and I don't remember what it was. Yes. What more is there to say about Courage, the cowardly dog? He dog. He's a good dog. He is a good boy. He, he is. Oh yeah. He is one of the best boys ever depicted on the silver screen. I honestly it, don't think that much of him. Like, I think he's fine. Really? Like, he he is a he's a functional character, right? I mean, they're all, they're all functional characters. I I like the situations that they're in and the like the way they play around with it, but like they just they don't have that much depth. And I'm I'm surprised by how much I like a show with so little character depth or development because that's generally mm-hmm. what I gravitate toward. Mm-hmm. Um, and but, also, he's yeah. like kind of not really like he's doing the lassie thing, but he's kind of not a dog. He's just sort of like. Like, like a ham that has legs. He is a lump. Yeah. He is a he, he, yeah, yeah. He is a sentient lump. Yeah. A sen- oh, we haven't mentioned that he shapeshifts. No, we haven't. I, I think I vaguely, like, it's a Super <laughs> Mario RPG. He just shapeshifts into, th- he's a mute protagonist that shapeshift pantomimes in order to get ideas across. Mm. But comedically, the things he shapeshifts into are unrelated to the thing that he is trying to verbalize. Yeah, it's not helpful. It's just like like he's communicating a feeling in the same way that the show's communicating a feeling to us. The content itself is is less related. And unbeknownst to Uriel and Eustace, Muriel and Eustace, uh, it's more than a feeling <laughs> that is going on. Uriel, I believe, is a, a seraphim, and Eustace sounds like <laughs> some sort of His Satan pet goat. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm surprised how much I love this show, given that there's so little characterization beyond just, like, old couple, also a dog. Um, yeah. The, yeah, the characters in Lovecraft stuff aren't really super fleshed out either. No. It's it's what's happening to them and what aspects of the human condition they represent at any given moment. That's what's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and they're not, like, super... I, I really like the open-ended nature of it, like, because you don't know what you're going to get, and you shouldn't. Like, you... The expectations that you get are set up within the episode. You know, they, they set you down on your feet and then you they knock you off of them. But you don't come in on your feet. They have to like they have that like little pastoral sequence of Muriel Muriel like making fried chicken for her courage or you know them or her vacuuming the uh, vacuuming the apartment. You, you don't really you, you vaguely understand that we're starting from from um, from things are generally fine. But then it can go in any direction, and uh, I think that I think that it's really good for horror to be that open ended in its construction. Like we travel a thousand years into the future to meet the Monkey King, uh, you know, in, in front of a Banana Republic, or mm-hmm. uh, there is a person who, like a, a a drifter, who puts a curse on curse on Eustace, or they get sucked into a vacuum uh, vacuum cleaner. Like it's never nailed down; it's always something. But we'd never have any idea where it's going to go or where it's going to end up. Mm-hmm. Yep. Once it becomes predictable, it ceases to be scary. Right. Yeah. Um, and I don't. Th- I don't think I ever predicted what was going to happen in any given episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, like moments like the Doctor Gerbil thing with the music is just one of many ways 
that the show tries to make sure you don't get inoculated to the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 hard to imagine the show being made today, uh, just because so much, so many other cartoons and other shows have have kind of played with the surrealism and the the nonsensical uh, aspects of this. Right. Um, it, but it, at the time, like looking back, pretty impressive. At the time positively mind-blowing that they that they aired this after like dexter's lab right and and like it's it's different in that like we've talked about invader zim and how that is harsh and difficult but it's always pretty harsh and difficult in the same way (laughs) right you you can get used to it Mm -hmm. um this is something you can't really get used to and i think that's an interesting given that we have a formula to this show where we start with pastoral life and we put some nonsense, some creepy stuff happening in nowhere. Given that it is so formulaic, I I think it's a little oxymoronic by how many norms they're willing to buck in their like mm-hmm. the formula is there, but like the, the the method is madness. Yeah. Almost. It was a very hard show to binge. <laughs> that's the I think yeah. that's that it, 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 Maybe that's the takeaway. Yeah, it, it was a very tough show to binge. Zane, you said a few minutes ago, like it, you watch an episode, you get that ukulele ending, and then you just gotta have to take a break. Yeah, <laughs> get, 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 getting up to speed was an interesting experience, just because it was formulaic, but it's like you're getting pummeled from all sides with weirdness. Yeah, it's not. It's not a formula using the standard numbers yeah. that you're used to. Yeah. yeah. So, um, Dan, I know that this is uh, not your regular horror fair. You've watched some horror cartoons with us, mm-hmm. quote-unquote. Beetlejuice was not really horror. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that you are well-versed in horror cartoons by this point. Where would you put this on, like, the is-it-scary-slash-is-it-good kind of perspective? I didn't find it particularly scary. I think I said earlier I'm a little inoculated to it, and it was, um, but it was still good. Like I, yeah. I, I enjoyed the bits that I was able to take away from it. Um, it, 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 yeah, I'm not sure where I would rank it, but I would absolutely come back to it. And, and remember, this is for children. It is for children. Yes, it is for children. It is for children. Like, yes. if you came to this as your first horror thing, it would spook you pretty good. I wish. I actually really wish that I had, uh, watched it more as a kid. Because I, I mm-hmm. it, it was, it, it was something that it was odd to get into in my thirties. <laughs> yeah, you're too busy watching Werner Herzog movies. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I, I it's, it, it, but it was well done. I think. Yeah. This is this is just a very innovative show. Mm-hmm. Like there, there is kind of nothing like it. Yeah, exactly. Which is, I think, what I'm taking away from this. Like there is. I'm hard-pressed to think of a different cartoon that is this experimental and this willing to shift up the animation style to suit the moment. The, mm-hmm. the only thing that comes to mind is something that is decidedly non-horror and is pretty recent, which is Mob Psycho 100, where they mm-hmm. use a bunch of different animation styles. Mm-hmm. Like They do like single-frame animation. They do um, some uh, sakuga which is basically just put a bunch more frames and make it look better than the general surrounding they do chalk they do they do a bunch of weird stuff um it's an anime that is the same person as one punch man Mm -hmm. created it Mm -hmm. um which is generally extremely good but that is the thing that comes away from it is just 
they're very experimental with what kind of animation they're putting in a given scene. Mm -hmm. And this does that, but 20 years before and in the West, which, uh, (laughs) you know, that's like playing, that's that's like playing with a difficulty slider. Yeah. In terms of animation. It's, uh, it it was far more innovative and far more um, frenetic, I think is the word that I would use to describe (laughs) the show. Frenetic is a good word for it. Yeah, that's the word that I would use to, uh, describe the show especially i guess the one thing i would compare it to uh to contrast it the most are real monsters yeah that has yeah. a bunch of yeah. the the kind of clay style stuff and that had but, but it also has the funny horror thing in in between yeah and, and it had the funny horror thing going on but it was far more stable yes <laughs> in its storytelling this is something completely different yeah, this right. is almost a Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. Here's a look at an alternate universe, and the the characters that we're viewing the thing mm-hmm. through is 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 the same every time. But that's where the similar that's where the differences end. Yeah, and, and well, we have uh, eleven uh, minutes to get through it, and so <laughs> yeah, yes, <laughs> pick up the pace. I, mean, uh, I also want to say, like in All Real Monsters, where one you see it from the monster's perspective, mm-hmm. but also two, the interaction is jump scare based, yeah. right? Yeah. In Courage the Cowardly Dog. We meet the monster. They hang out for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like they, <come> they, <laughs> they weren't welcome. Sometimes they, they weren't live invited with them. in, but they're staying. <laughs> like I don't, I don't know what what does a werewolf eat? Juice? What, what do you need? <laughs> and, and a lot of the time, Popcorn? they aren't even malicious. You know, a lot of the time they're just uh, they're just dudes yeah. that are that are that are they're in proximity. I gotta shave your dog. Luckily, in the bathroom. I must to shave dog. Is the is the plot of one of the episodes? Like it, it's just never nailed down. Yeah, um, yeah. I I love this show. Um, mm-hmm. I I will never stop loving this show. It is one of my favorites growing up, and I'm glad we came back to it. Um, I I don't really have anything to negative to say time. about it. Honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, any other? Any other uh, closing thoughts? I'm, I'm glad you got to join us for this. I'm sorry that you didn't have as much time to prepare. I'm sure that, uh, you, you know, there is some value in just hearing us declare out, out of context just how weird this got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it was a pleasure to come here and uh, be unprepared with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks for thanks for coming back on the show, Dan. Um, as always, uh, our horror expert, you are very welcome to come on for Halloween. But hopefully, uh, now that things are getting a little calmer, maybe we can do some more podcasting together. I think that would be like that a lot. That would be great. I think that would be great. Awesome. All right, well let's uh, let's close up shop here. Uh, Zane, what are we doing next time? Well, Ben, we can't leave the horror train just yet. Is this going to be a real need... horror show? This is going to be the scariest thing. That you've ever seen because it is time again for a TV show based on a video game, um, <laughs> an actual one, not an unshelled. Um, we're going to be watching Donkey Kong Country, which, you know, did not age well in terms of its animation style and drew inspiration from whatever they had lying around on, the, on any given day. It looks day. really bad. Oh Ben, it is famously it's a, maligned. It's a it's a bad looking thing. Yeah, that I'm sure looking forward to talking about that DK monkey rap. Yeah. Um, and how about after that, Zane? I forgot. Frisky Dingo.
Oh, yeah, obviously. Yeah, uh, we, we had to switch up the order of things a little bit, but we're going to go in, uh, and do Frisky Dingo uh, after after that. So please yeah. follow us along at the misadventures of one Xander Cruz and his uh, antagonist, Killface. Um, in case you have any fondness for Archer, this is the uh, this is this is what came before it. So uh, yeah, we're we're gonna go do that, and it should be a fun time. If you have anything to say about either one of those, Donkey Kong Country or uh, Frisky Dingo, go ahead and drop us a line at fancybat.com/cartoncast. You can go to cartoncast slash contact. Cartoncast.com slash contact. If you want to drop us a line, you can go to our Facebook page. Um, just uh, tell us what you think about either show or suggest one of your own. You can go to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or whatever you can find us on in order to uh, give us a rating or review, which would be great. Um, and more than anything else, please tell your friends about the show. Now, now, Ben, can they also just like write stuff on a postcard and just throw it out the window and it just magically reaches us again and again no matter what we do? <laughs> yes, we, uh, we, 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 we hit our save state right before the, the boss encounter where we are badly underleveled, and now we just gotta, just gotta live with it. Just gotta, gotta go through it. Yep, gotta muscle through it one day, one day at a time. I don't think I've ever seen a horror thing about like a poor quick save. I think that, I think that's <laughs> fertile ground for like a like a half hour episode or something. Yeah, that'd be like day after tomorrow, but there's actually no win condition. Like it's a Kobayashi Maru uh, day after tomorrow <laughs> situation. It's it's or Groundhog like Day, Groundhog Day, but much higher stakes. Groundhog Day, but uh, Bill Murray does not retain his sanity before he uh, manages to escape. You know, I think there was a movie that came out um, recently that was like, "Hey, I'm reliving this same like twelve hours, and I know I'm going to get murdered at the end of it. Let's I have to solve my own murder before it happens." Yeah, <laughs> I think you just described two thousand and twenty. Ooh, good point. <laughs> Match point. Well, we'll be out of the Twilight Zone. Sh- uh, sh- Twilight Zone. Storyly, I don't know. This is going to release after the election. Say maybe it won't. Nope. Maybe we won't though. We got to return that slab. Mm. God, or suffer their curse. Suffer um, my curse. <laughs> uh, anything else, uh, Dan? Uh, did you want to plug again, or should we just close? I think I'm ready to close. This has been all right. This has Do been you have fun. anything to say to 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 head out of here? Uh, happy Halloween, everyone. Be safe and uh, don't touch your face. <laughs> don't touch your face. <laughs> Muriel, somebody's at the door. Creepy, surreal. Someone better get the door. Someone better get the door.